What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. We have another fun one for you. Today, we sit down with Carter Caps. He is the co-founder of PrintNet Solutions, a company that is revolutionizing the 3D printing industry. He starts off, he shares his journey from a young Minecraft server entrepreneur to a leader in the 3D printing software business. He discusses his experience with mentorship, the importance of providing value, and his vision for the future of 3D printing. He kicks things off just introducing himself, how he got to where he is today, but he goes back in time and tells us how his first business venture at 12 years old shaped his perspective on job opportunities and creating value for other people. And that is what drives him. He wants to create value for others above everything else. He has a strong family influence. He references his grandparents, how they have a farming background, And so he got very deep into agriculture that led him through school, but that also inspired his hustling spirit. It was influenced from an early age from his family, so it runs in his blood. He then shares some lessons that he learned from his mentor, Ryan McKeever, who is a filmmaker that we've also had on the show, episode 196. If you've not listened to it, another great episode with Ryan. But Ryan was able to mentor Carter and help kind of guide him along his entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey himself and we referenced the gary v principle of getting as close to the sun as possible with his approach to service and mentorship it was a pleasure having carter on the show i'm blessed to call him a friend tim this was your first time meeting carter what'd you think yeah i absolutely loved the interview i could just this was the first time i met him and just talking to him you can tell he's someone who's continuously learning new things he's studying the past, but he's also studying the future and how he can use his skills, his talents, his company to kind of address the future. So, yeah. And, and I thought he had a, even though he was, he's a younger guy like us, like he very wise, like you can tell he's, he's got a good head on his shoulder, very, very mature. And yeah, I, I enjoyed, I definitely enjoyed this interview. It was great. Um, and a bulk of the interview and probably my favorite part was the talking about the value of free work. Whether you're someone who is like you're trying to get better in your field or if you're someone who's like very young and just starting in a new field, you want to give value to other people. And the newer you are to a field, you might have to offer free work or free time to gain someone's trust. So I really enjoyed that discussion. And I think regardless of what field you're in, it's a great discussion to listen to if you're just trying to level up and you're not really sure where to start, Um, whether you're starting your own business, but or if you're in like an industry. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of the interview was also talking about the 3D printing industry. Um, so he educates the audience on that, whether you're a beginner or if you ha- already have knowledge of the topic. So uh, realize how much knowledge you have. You learn a lot about the 3D printing industry, his company, PrintNet Solutions, on how they fit into that, um, as well as kind of how PrintNet Solutions was founded and taking it from its, its founding days, but also what they're doing to continuously improve. But also what they're doing to address the future of the 3D printing industry. So uh, I thought there was a lot of good stuff there. And um, yeah, I, I thought if you're looking to like just learn about 3D printing industry or just become better in your field and upskill and just learn some new wisdom, I thought this this is the interview for you. So yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, without further ado, episode 215, Carter Caps. What up, dude? What's up, guys? What's up, Carter? 
Good man, how you good. been? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. This this is my buddy Sorry. Tim. We've been podcasting the last five years on the show. So how you doing, Carter? Yeah. How are you, man? I'm doing, doing good. good. It's an impressive track record that you guys have been <laughs> podcasting for five years. Like that's badass. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's weird. Like we don't really think about the time. It's just oh, we podcast this week. We have another interview this week. Oh, we, we're releasing on Friday. You know, it's just uh like routine before you know it, we're yeah, five years in. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry yeah. the uh the last time didn't work out. Um, oh, it's all good. Dude, I'm glad we got got it done for this one. So yeah, yeah. We appreciate your time for sure. We're I was reading up on your website and yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. It's awesome. Sweet, man. Yeah, so am I. This is actually my first podcast. Oh really? really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Damn, dude. All the people um, you know, I'm I'm surprised it's your first podcast. I know. I uh, <laughs> I I just never I don't know. I just never hopped on the opportunity to do it, but I felt like this was a good mm-hmm. one to to start with. So yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, happy to have it. You think you'll start your own show at some point? Like your own podcast or I mean, I really do. I think I I enjoy like talking with people and just understanding why they like stuff in mm-hmm. general. I'm like pretty people oriented person. So I think I like I would like to just sit down and chop it up with people and figure yeah. out like what motivates them and what they're passionate about. Um and just learn about that. I love I I really do not care what you're into as long as it's like I can sense that you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so I think that that would be like a good prerequisite for being a good podcaster, right? Yeah. Um, 100%. And then just naturally like, I don't know, if I'm out at the gym or really anywhere, if I find somebody interesting, I'm going to want to ask more questions. So maybe in the future. And I yeah. feel like it's kind of a a uh, a good reason to like just meet new interesting people, so 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how that's how we see it too. And like we've brought in so many different perspectives, different backgrounds. We've been doing this for almost four years, right? It feels like we've five. We yeah. feels like we've gotten our own education and like gone to college ourselves just because we've learned from so many people. And mm-hmm. there's so many conversations we have on a daily basis, whether it's like with ourselves or other people where we wish we could like document it. So it's nice to just have this yeah. here and um it's never going away. So we can always go back and listen to it. So. Yeah. It makes yeah. us understand why people have a videographer like 24 seven because there's so many good things that happen in like a simple conversation, a, a breakfast, you know, yeah. uh, but it's cool. The access that we, we get to certain people because it's asking to be on a radio show and not like, Oh, can I just, you know, pick your brain for 15 minutes. Like most people like exactly. aren't going to give that time, but Hey, can we podcast for an hour? Oh, sure. So we've, <laughs> we, Yeah. We've talked to uh sous chefs in the UK that are on mega yachts, you know, that have cooked for like Pete Diddy. We've talked to American Idol contestants, rappers. I mean, speakers, authors. So it's, it's cool, man. Our tagline is naturally curious and that's just, we're just interested in what people that's- do and what they like to do. That's awesome. Man. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, here's the uh, here's the office space. If you guys want to see it, we just moved in. It's really yeah, I've messy seen you right post now, about but, it. Oh wow, that's sick. Um, this is like our like modest 3D print farm, and we got like storage and stuff all over here. But it's yeah. actually like an apartment in the back. So yeah, that's cool. three of us live here up in the back, and then uh, our kind of like workshop areas right here. Yeah, that's so cool. We'll have I a couple lasers over there soon probably next week and then uh this has been kind of cool this is a recent addition we got a a saltwater fish tank 
which is so oh, stupid. Damn, dude. That <laughs> so is cool. They, <laughs> they are really hard to take care of. So <laughs> I believe it, man. Anything salt like a, water is just problematic. Dude, it's the soup of life, you know? Yeah. You fix, it's awesome. You figure that out whenever you're at the uh the the fish store and you're like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. This, what's an what's an ectoparasite? Um and then yeah, you start learning you. about you learn a lot about biology really quickly. So Yeah. Yeah. I used to have fish yeah. when I was younger, but it started because I won one at like the county fair. You know, the one that you never win is goldfish in a bag. And yeah. it lasted like two weeks. So then I wanted fish and used my dad's old tank and had a bunch of fish for a couple of years. But it's a lot of work. It is. It is. It is. I, my, I think my first, you, that was probably a beta fish, right? The one that you won? Uh, it was a little That's goldfish. Little, okay, a little goldfish. Yeah, yeah. Um, my first fish that I ever had, I was really into Yu-Gi-Oh! And oh, I called dude, same. it Wing Dragon of Raw. That was my, <laughs> that was my first I'm with you. Name. I'm and it died. with you. I died like I was so sad when it died. I was like, oh, oh my man. god, this is my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh character. And it's yeah, gone. emotional then, connection. Huh. Yeah, I know yeah. to a beta yeah. fish. Like, yeah. So do you have hey. a, a saltwater fish close to a Yu-Gi-Oh character that you're gonna add? Oh man, um, like any blue eyes, white something, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We actually just got this one fish. It's gonna be too hard to like get it on camera on my my uh, yeah. computer but it's like all striped and stuff and it has like these big fans that come out like whenever cool. you touch the glass and its eyes its eyes perfectly line up with the stripes on its body so mm-hmm. imagine if tiger stripe i don't know it's like it, it's hard to explain i could send you the, the species after this but it looks really cool yeah it's sweet. like eyes are camouflaged into its body it's pretty sweet yeah Love it. Well, yeah, it's a cool space you got there, man. I've seen you post about it uh, on Instagram and stuff. And it's just, it looks like a, a hustler's paradise. Like you yeah. are getting after it and living in a sweet pad. And and you're in Austin, Texas, right? Uh, actually, we're we're really close to Austin. We're in San Antonio. Oh, okay. So, Very cool. Yeah, Very cool. close to downtown San Antonio. Um, but we have like an office, another office in, in Austin. So Wow. Um, um, but those are like satellite offices. Those aren't like. Yeah, like cool. crazy. We went out and bought them type stuff. So. so we always like to start, um, you know, just obviously we're just chopping it up, but interested in, you know, tell our audience who you are. Like we know kind of what you're what you're getting into, um, but we'll get into everything, all your ventures you've done, your current business. But kind of how did we get here? Give a little background story. Yeah. Who you mm-hmm. are, what you're doing and, and how you got to where you are right now. And then, yeah, we'll dive in the weeds along the way. All right. Well, I guess who I am, I am, um, I've always been interested in sports um, and computer stuff. So uh, I'm I'm really interested in outdoors. I love camping, hiking. I love agriculture Um, all throughout my life. I've been really fascinated with numbers um, and markets. Like I remember distinctly in third grade. Like my favorite teacher, she had her and her husband came over and he told me that he traded money for more money, which means he was like a currency trader, right? Which, I mean, I think that's kind of been diluted over the years because a lot of Forex MLMs, but like, I think he was a legitimate (laughs) currency trader. Yeah. Um, And then that really, I was like, why does that exist? How can you do that? And 
I don't think that was like the like a epiphany type moment, but I thought that was really interesting. And whenever I reflect on it from this perspective, I feel like it was kind of kind of changes with the way I see the world. But anyways, I've always been really interested in, in markets and how they work. Um, and I guess my first online business was um, I, I've always done stuff in person, um, just building stuff. Uh, whether it's skate ramps or like taking like a paper clip and going to the local supermarket and trading it up to like a Yeti cup throughout the day. Like oh, me and nice. my friends, like just found that type of shit really fun. Um, and then I guess, yeah. So the first online business that I started was um, a Minecraft server with my best friend. And um, that kind of showed me the potential of just like channeling more energy into your passions and then, going one step beyond your peers and you can create like a pretty crazy outcome. So like at 12 years old, one me and my best friends, we had a pretty popular Minecraft server that was doing a few thousand a month in, in wow. revenue. And that was just, wow. just from, you know, seemingly wasting our lives, placing bricks on a screen. So that was like, <laughs> that was my first online business. And that kind of like, that really changed my perspective. Cause then, you know, at that age, if you're 12 years old, um, you know, and you're making more money than potentially a teacher, mm. like some teachers like that definitely changes your perspective about like how you can, like what jobs are available to you and mm -hmm. how you can like create value in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, going into college, I was, I think the sphere of mentors I've had in my life have kind of always had like an agricultural um, theme. So uh, my great both both sides of my family both great grandparents were farmers um my my grandpa on my um my mom's side he was actually a moonshine runner so oh very cool his his whole i feel like i really identify with that i feel like his his energy is definitely in my soul because one he was a moonshine runner but the way that that started out was he was a farmer um generational farmer his father was a farmer and three straight seasons, he had like, it was either a combination of bad weather or some kind of financing problem, but somehow he ended up losing the farm. Um, and in the interim between losing the farm and his future occupations, he picked up, this is during the, um, what do you call this? Prohibition. Like, prohibition. There you go. Duh. Um, but yeah, during pro you can make up words on the show too. We we make up shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, I definitely will. I definitely will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, during prohibition, um, since he was always interested in cars um, and fixing up cars, and that was back in the day when cars were much more mechanical and not like this big pile of wires that they are today. Mm -hmm. um, you almost have to be a programmer to mess with cars today. But anyways, he ended up fixing up cars, becoming a moonshine runner. Um, went to prison for that and then got out of prison for um, actually fixing up the local cop cars to run faster because oh wow he, he had the fastest cars in the county so he was the best candidate to be yeah. a moonshine runner and then that's how he got out of prison was fixing up the cop cars oh. and then after that um, he was a nitroglycerin truck driver and they always had openings because the trucks would blow up um, and he did that for 10 years. Good. And then, then he swept flour 
off the floor at a flour mill and was able to provide for his family of four. Um, wow. And I thought, I, I think that, that one's really interesting. Like, first of all, that sounds like a shit job. Um, nope, not hating, not hating, but yeah, I'm yeah. just saying like, it sounds like there could be better utilizations of his time and energy <laughs> than right, yeah, sweeping right. flour off the flour mill. Yeah. Floor. And, um, provide for a family with that job like it's pretty interesting to me that you could do that at any point yeah. in time yeah that's the important key out of that providing yeah. for the family do what you got to do yeah that's yeah he did what he had to do a strong man i bet exactly. he had to have fixed those cop cars just to like keep them 10 miles per hour below his his other shine running friends like fix oh them just God. enough to to keep him out of jail but i uh, gotta give my friends a little leg up but no one's gonna know Literally. So Dukes of Hazard is based off your family. Got it. Um <laughs> I think I can't remember the name of the the prohibition movie, but there there's some movie that I watched that was like about a moonshine runner in the backwoods of Arkansas. And uh, it's all about him. Lawless? Was that with so. uh, Tom Hardy and Shia LaBeouf? Because that's a good know. one. Lawless is good. It gets brutal too. I that's it could one. be. It could be. I, I'm horrible with um with yeah. um uh like naming movie characters and things like that. Yeah. But anyways, I've, I've always point is I, I like farming or like at least the farmer gene is in my ancestry and in my heritage. And I, I think like from an economics perspective, it's really, really interesting. Like, you know, like farming kind of birthed uh, philosophy. It birthed uh, every industry. So like every emerging economy is based on a robust ag economy mm. so mm-hmm. in any developing nation the best way to stimulate their economy is to stimulate their agricultural sector first like for example like who was the richest guy in america when like in the colonial times it was actually a a, a fur trader so the guy the number one um beaver pelt guy i can't remember his name escapes me um but he had the number one fur trading company in America and that made him the richest person in the world. And I think it was primarily beaver pelts. So the richest person in the world at some point in the 17, 1800s was actually off of beaver pelts in America. Jeez. So it's like, you know, agriculture has always been this thing that, especially nowadays people kind of sleep on, they just expect the food to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've always seen it from this different perspective. And I, I know how, fragile it is and and some i was just really confused at some of the the ways that we reallocate resources in america and Mm -hmm. um really everywhere but uh i was just really interested in those problems and set out to study them in college um and right out of college i um i was really interested in media business technology in general um, but I didn't really want to get like an ag policy job because that literally sounds like bang, 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 <laughs> click, reload, bang, 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 bang. Like it sounds so horrible. I, I don't want to do policy shit for my life. And so I actually, I watched, I've always been a big fan of Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, some people like think Vee. he's cringe, but I, I, I see through the weeds and I'm like, I extract the wisdom. Try mm-hmm. to. Yep. And he's like, you know, shoot your shot, find, get as close to the, he has this principle of getting as close to the sun as possible and find somebody that you want to be like, 
right? And then package up your you and like kind of present it to them and say, hey, this is how I can be of service to you just mm-hmm. so I can be around you and like what you're doing. So I started like doing that. I started mess- messaging people on social media saying like, hey, like my name's Carter. Um, I have an economics degree from a and I'm really passionate about this. I can do all these types of things, research, whatever, um, data analysis. I can do these things for you. I just want to like be around you and learn from you. Um, and probably like the 10th person that I did that to was actually Ryan McKeever, oh, um, okay. which I think mm-hmm. you guys have had on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to ask how you guys got linked up. So you just cold, so awesome. cold reached out to him. Yeah. So I could actually, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I could that. pull up yeah. the, the DM right now, but it was literally exactly what I just told you. Like, Hey, my mm-hmm. name's Carter. Here's my, like, you know, I, I, I packaged myself up and presented it and I was like, I'll work for free. Uh, yeah. like, you know, I'm just really interested in learning from you. I think like, I want to kind of follow a similar life arc. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt that media was like a great way to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great filter for like industry leaders, you know, as you yeah. guys know with the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, moved out to Colorado. I was working on my own research project, working with Ryan, and then living in Colorado, I was able to find a lot of clarity about um, what's important to me. And I, I think I really solidified the fact that I am definitely going to start my own venture and do something. Uh, like on my own where I'm like the controller of my success. So yeah. Yeah. I I love that so much Mm -hmm. because I feel like most people, Carter, they like, they have a skill or they have a unique thing about them that they can offer someone else for free. Uh And like like you said, like seek out someone you look up to who you want to be. And most likely that person, they're important enough or they're busy enough where like they could save time or save money in one way or another. And you can do that for them. And um, in return, they don't have to pay you. They can just, give you knowledge that gives you the ability to start your own thing. So that's cool. When yeah. you linked up with Ryan, what did you, what did you do for him at first? What were some of the things that um, you, you were doing for him, but also some of the things you were learning from that, that gave you the foundation? Um, so I've learned a lot from Ryan. Um, he's really opened up, you know, besides the stupid little YouTube videos I made as a kid um, and like stuff like that. He really opened my eyes up to the me- entire media world and kind of mm-hmm. showed me how it works. Like he showed me what a shoot for arc digest looks like. You know, I've watched a lot of arc digest videos, but I never seen, you know, what it's like to actually do the sure. production work mm-hmm. or like what the deal flow looks like. Um, like how do you even get a job like that? You know, from like my perspective, it seems impossible. Like, right. um, so I've, I've learned a lot from Ryan, how to use media as a form of like leverage, like how you can, like, where does media fit in, in society? And it turns out every industry needs media and whether it's artificial intelligence podcast or, you know, the, the hemp happy hour podcast, right? Like they're both going to filter for like whatever the industry professionals are. So I've always been interested in media. I learned a lot about media um and how you can use it um from ryan and then just a lot of life stuff like i actually call ryan my bro dad so it's kind (laughs) of an interesting 
relationship we have. So it's very much, I would say it's 60, 40, 60% brother, 40% dad. Got it. So, uh, I've learned like a lot of life principles from Ryan. Um, he's like such a good guy. And I mean, uh, he gave me the opportunity of a lifetime and like gave me the ability, like he gave me space to think about stuff. And I think like college and like a lot of the way the world treats you is they force you to like define yourself. Mm. And I, it's totally okay to not know like what you are a hundred percent good at or what you're a hundred percent passionate about. And I think it's important that people like, you know, get out in the real world and find experience, right? Like get experience, get something where you can unlock new opportunities, but it's okay to like, just kind of be in a learning phase. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I was doing for like the past couple of years whenever I was working at, um, at Plotline. But um, you asked, what, what did I do for Ryan? Um, what I did for him was I did some research stuff. So anything that he needed researched, I'm good at like compiling information. Ryan would pretty much, he would be the prompt engineer for me. So he would, <laughs> he would, he would set the prompt and then I would run it and oh, cool. spit out a, a shittier version of what chat GPT could now. <laughs> um, yeah and stuff like that uh so i do like research data mm -hmm. analysis like if he had some new business that he was standing up i'd build like a a financial model about oh hey like these are the types of numbers that we'd have to do to like break even and like mm -hmm. make it worthwhile that's cool um i helped fundraise for a couple of his like private films so he has the um a documentary that's really interesting Mm -hmm. um really juicy story obviously um, yeah. i don't want to give too much of that away but that's generally it and then also like since i have a like a economics and finance background i kind of taught him a little bit about like business speak and like finance not business speak but like finance terms and like yeah sure things like that so yeah that's awesome Oh, yeah. When when you first reached out to him, did you just offer any and all help that he needed, or did you provide a specific? This is what I can do. This is what I'm good at. Or was it more general? Hey, whatever you need, I'll I'll do. Um, I just want to be around be around the people. Here, I'll read it right now. <laughs> there we go. I love this. Yeah, plotline stories. I'll show you. I show. Okay, so look, you can see. Okay, Instagram DMs. Yeah. Now for the yeah, people plotline listening. media. Okay. So I said, howdy, you guys followed me on your Hemp Valley documentary page. As you can see by my bio, I recently graduated from A&M with a degree in economics. I would love to contribute to your story and discover ways we can work together. I'm very good at researching, data crunching, and writing compelling stories. And then I said, due to the disproportionate amount of value to be derived on my end, I would be willing to work for free and be of service wherever I can. And then he said, wow, thanks for the offer. I would love to chat. How does your week look? Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> I, that's so cool. And that was, yeah, December 12th, 2020. So you can wow. yeah, his, yeah. His chat there. But Good for you, man. That, and yeah, that's, and that's such a good message. Genuine message awesome. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think the like for anybody that wants to like deploy that strategy, I think one, if you're going to work for free, you know, always do a pulse check and make sure like this is a good human being. Mm. and you know make sure that you trust your internal mm. rubric for that like mm -hmm. you know if you've been because this is like your you know it's important it's an important right. thing in your career things like um and i'll always be service first like you 
like them reading your DM is their first act of service of giving to you. And I think a lot of people, like when they shoot that shot, they ask for something. They like, hey, can we jump on a call? Or like, can you review this or this, that, whatever? Sure. It's like, no, you got to shoot your shot there. And you're like, it's it's got to be service oriented and like value oriented, especially if you're on the come up. Like if you're a college kid and you're trying to like, you know, be around this amazing individual that you want to be more like, you got to be like value first. And I think that's the way that that's the number one piece of advice that I give to people that like want to do a similar strategy in other fields. Um, I think in media, it's much more malleable. Um, so it's a little easier to like land those types of opportunities. And I think Ryan's a, a naturally open individual. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe I just got lucky, but those people are out there. There's more Ryan's out there. And, you know, I think Ryan for my story was, you know, really, really important. And again, I don't think that we would have, I would have started this company or helped start this company if it wasn't for my experience, like living on the farm close to the largest flat top mountain in the world for two years. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't know that that was going to happen. Um, and there's all, there's actually, now that I think about it, um, there's so many like confirming moments along the way that sh- like kind of showed me that I was in the right spot. Um, so I don't know if you guys are spiritual or not, but um, I'm definitely pretty spiritual and um, along the way. So I was, I was, I made the decision after talking with Ryan for months that I was going to move out to Colorado and, and live on this, on his hemp farm, which is hilarious. Yeah. Again, God, that's so not awesome. advisable for most people like working yeah. for free for two years for a random person you met online is not advisable but <laughs> there are it works in the game it worked out for me yeah. like really yeah. really awesome but as i was moving out there um there was a couple of really crazy events that just like it, it was it, the way that i i mean it's got to be a sign from god like i don't know man um I don't know how else it would be possible, but so I, I don't know if I really touched on this, but I had an agricultural research project um, at the time that I moved out there while I was working on with Ryan on his media company. Um, and pretty much what we were studying is like phytoremediation. So the ability for plants to like remove metals and salt from an environment. Mm. So I was like studying this one specific type of plant that takes like pretty much no inputs, like very little water and, very little inputs and can clean up land and it would be like a really great uh biofuel feedstock so i was studying that and running a research project with a group of like 10 individuals in reno nevada uh while i was um working for plotline so it still had my agricultural you know focus um and whenever i moved out there the day before i moved out to the farm I was staying up on top of the Grand Mesa, which again is the the largest flat top mountain in the mm-hmm. world. And I was at this remote lodge. I was sitting there with my my parents and we were at this like little coffee shop, literally in the middle of nowhere, literally in, in the middle of nowhere, population 200 town. And it was a random day, middle of the week, 7 a.m. Didn't expect to see anybody. And there was like this little old elderly couple sitting in the corner and just by the way we are me and my family where we like 
if we're in a small room together, we're going to talk to you. We're going to yeah. talk to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Love it. So we started talking and turns out uh, the guy that went the, the male of the group, um, he ended up being the global managing director of like the largest ag bank in the world. Um, mm. And from a kid that had, you know, I went to the largest ag school in the world yeah. and I was a big time ag nerd. Like one of my main mentors in college was like the secretary of, uh, well, he was a chief economist under the secretary of agriculture, which is like the president of ag in yeah. the United States. And that was like, that was my guy. That was, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have met anybody better for like that moment in my life. And the fact that I met him on the day that I was literally the morning of going to the farm, I met the global managing director of the largest ag bank in the world that day, like before I moved out to the farm, mm -hmm. I found that to be really profound. And I was like, dude, I'm going to keep listening to my heart. Like, this is crazy. I don't know. Like, you know, nothing really even came from that. I mean, he introduced me to like some really cool people, but um, that I've been looking up to my whole life. Um, uh, but that was like a really confirming moment that like, holy shit, like, this is crazy. What are the odds? Mm -hmm. Like this, does, this makes no sense. And yeah. And a 200 person town nonetheless. Yeah. 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 And, and not even, it was the resort community close to the 200 person town. So it wasn't even in there. Like, actual it was the resort coffee shop so it was yeah you know wow very small odds um and then um we actually fast forward a year later almost exactly one year later um we ended up i ended up meeting a really key investor um that uh in in our current company here um just sitting on a park bench at the palisade farmers market so um, I was just sitting there one morning enjoying my coffee like normal. And then, you know, some old guy comes up next to you and you're like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, How are you? And, uh, we started chatting and then boom, he introduces you to like, uh, a really big time investor and they make a bunch of intros and they, it, it changes the game for you. So oh, man. you never know where it's going to come from, like where you're, yeah, your next That's catalyst. fantastic. I need to go to more farmers markets. <laughs> uh, Dude. Yeah, exactly. That's, I love that story because uh, it's just, like you said, you don't know where it's going to come from, but mm -hmm. what's the saying? Like luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Like you're working yes. on the things you're passionate about, right? Like you're, you're following what you want to do. You're not letting society mold you into what they think you should be. And you just stay true to, to the path. And now mm -hmm. things start to enter like the universe has offerings. And, and I think sometimes they're not always recognizable. Sometimes they are. It's like, Oh, I have this investor. Okay. That's an offering from the universe. I need to take this. And now it's which path take it or right. no, I'll do it by myself. So um, mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, dude, I, you were talking about spirituality. I think you definitely have those signs from God and the universe and the energy you put out is, mm -hmm. is what you will get back. So that's dude that's such a cool story yeah 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 you definitely and you got to be open to it and it it all starts with just talking to people like right. again that it, the seed is the natural curiosity yep um, i love that so yeah we're, we're all interconnected in some way and i, I think even though like yeah. things things like that seem like one in a million one like crazy i feel like 
yeah, like you said, you increase your chances of, of meeting those interconnected people by having those conversations. So, and you met yeah. people who ha- had the same, like, in, in, a, in a sense, the same life mission as you in the same realm. So yeah, I love that. I love that for you. And the timing, man, I did it. The timing is even yeah, crazy. It's, yeah. That, yeah. that is really the, the big kicker. Like, cause I, I mean, I had a lot of negative reinforcement from Mm -hmm. family and friends like i'm concerned about you this seems like a bad deal blah 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 like people Mm -hmm. that are a lot of people that i respect were saying this sounds like a bad deal you're literally just gonna work for free yeah and dude i don't know i just knew it was a one-on-one trade man to man me and ryan like i know i have a lot to learn i like i think i've made a pretty good value proposition you know, working for mm-hmm. free. I'm not, right, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to waste your time pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was the value to him. But a lot of people, uh, both family and friends close, like as close as it can get, um, all said, Hey, this seems like a bad deal, but I was like, just have faith, just have faith, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, right. Too unique of an opportunity to pass up. And like, what's, what's the worst that can happen? Like things don't work out and you go, I mean, you just, you move on to your next opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. And, and Colin, I really love what you had said, like the, uh, like luck equals opportunity plus preparation. Mm-hmm. Like I've always, I wanted to write like a essay or like a blog about this topic. Cause I think this is another thing. Like, so if you're, if it were, if we were to develop a blueprint for other people to do this in other, um, domains, like first be value first. Right. But also understand that like you can create opportunity like luck can be engineered right so people think that this is lucky right but you just broke down the equation for luck which is opportunity plus preparation well preparation that's like it's very clear it's like all you got to do is sit down and show up for yourself yeah so that's easy everybody knows that you can do that but like opportunities those can be engineered too like you can go to farmers markets you're like okay just conduct a simple thought exercise you're like what type of people do i want to meet Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. I want to meet media executives. Maybe look up a media conference or media meetup or something like that. Like get on Eventbrite and find your people. Like, I don't know. It takes like a five minute brainstorm session and then just figure out where you're going to tell these people be value first. And like mm-hmm. the more shots that you take, like eventually, like I just always thought about a hundred people are going to to me and it's weird. And never talk to me again but then the 101st person will be like oh my god yes and change your life and i don't know man just be again is you just got to be curious value first and yeah you can engineer luck that's totally totally possible yeah Yeah. oh definitely especially with you know i feel like we're going to tie a lot back to media if if you can't afford to go to the biggest conference you can follow that conference on social media, see who they follow, see who's following them, look for big names that you look up to and start the cold reach out. And and you own the fact that, hey, I know there is a disparity between value I can provide to you and you to me, but this Mm -hmm. is why I'm going to offer free work. And so you acknowledge that because those people might not always say it. They might say, oh, thanks, I'm good, but free Mm -hmm. help and where you're moving yourself out there. you know, putting stuff out on social media, posting, you know, hashtags that those 
big people that you follow might use. So you can start to be visible and, and comment. So if you can't, you know, fly somewhere or be in a certain location, you, to your point, you can still engineer it other ways. Just think about how to access those people for five, 10 minutes, start a podcast on a whim, be like, Hey, I have a radio show. Can I interview you? You have so much more access with a radio show, like we were saying earlier, than yeah. if it's, hey, can we have a 10-minute call? I'm interested in what you do. Mm-hmm. Nine times yeah. out of 10, those people are going to, you know, no, they're too busy. That's extractive, you know? You know, It's like <laughs> yeah. taking like value out of there. Yeah. 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 And if you're someone that you don't want to do a radio show, you can reach out to people and be like, hey, I'm I'm writing a paper or I'm, I'm working on a project where I'm interviewing exactly. industry experts in this field. Would you care to contribute? Yeah, something like that exactly like, do anything yeah. i think there is a big hesitation it's a weird it's like really weird how um how hesitant some people are to do free work mm. um like i don't know what it is about our society that programs us to think that we can ask for a six-figure salary at like 20 something but <laughs> um i've always thought something else that helps on this whole like um, you know, like entrepreneurship journey is thinking about your weight, like your that, like your wealth creation in terms of deferred wages. So, I've always thought, like, okay, I think I can make two million bucks sometime in the next sixteen years. And if you do the math on that, it's um, I'm pretty sure it's like twenty five hundred dollars a week is what that ends up okay. coming out to, which is. Which is a that's a pretty good salary if you ask me. It seems like pretty livable. Yeah, yeah. twenty five hundred a week. So it's like, all right, all I gotta do is make two million bucks anytime in the next sixteen years, and I'm I'm good to go. And that's yeah, like, right. <laughs> that's my perspective. And it's like, if I'm just eating shit, making twenty k for fifteen of those years, I just know and have confidence that I will show up, that I will be prepared, I will create opportunities. Those opportunities will grow and it will generate that. And I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not a, um, like I don't have like a fixed money goal as my pursuit. It's more of a, I definitely really value autonomy and freedom, um, within my, uh, life. And mm-hmm. I really just, I fear the like the, what would be really terrifying to me is if I'm 40 and I'm like, 50, you know, 50, like towards the end of my career. And I'm like, I could get this next level up, like this job that makes my life a hell of a lot easier and pays me way more. And then some middle manager just stops me from getting that. Or like some manager stops me from that. If I fail, this is something that's just important to me. If I fail, I want it to be my fault. A hundred percent my fault. I do not want to be like hating some boss that, <laughs> you know, put a brick in the road in front of me. So yeah, I think that's really important to me. Um, and yeah, I've always had a long-term perspective. So yeah, I yeah. like, I like but, this guy. Yeah. I, you, you, I knew you, <laughs> you, you said that um, you, you like Gary V. I mean, you remind, uh-huh. I mean, you can tell that you listen to him and, and cause you guys have a lot of the same. So I listen to him too. So yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Like, the, the more we, we realize that like time is far more valuable than money too. Like I, mm-hmm. the, the money will come if you're of, of a service to others, if mm-hmm. you provide a service to others, like the money will come, but yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. yeah. The autonomy and freedom. I, I like that you touched on that. So that's, 
that's it, man. That's like, that's life. That's, mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and you're in kind of going starting get into like how um, PrintNet started. Um, and whenever I first met Caleb, um, our CEO um, and co-founder, one of the co-founders, um, we, we first met at this presentation with this, this guy that owns this energy fund um, at A&M. And he's like one of those like really brutal, like Silicon Valley guys, <laughs> really brutal. Like, okay, we get it. It's hard. It's hard out there. <laughs> it's hard out there. <laughs> like chill, bro. Chill. Yeah. But anyways, like he started off the clicker. He like opened up the presentation. It's like four people in there, like four college mm-hmm. kids. And yeah. he goes like, all right, you have two choices in the world. And I'm like, Oh God. Okay. <laughs> and he goes like, you're either building your dreams somebody else's and i was like yo low key that's pretty like that's kind of true you either are building your dreams or somebody else's silicon valley is off to a good start yeah but (laughs) you know building other people's dreams is not you know it's okay to build other people's dreams like and oftentimes that's that's something that i learned is like that's okay to like join up i've always felt that like i was going to be the one to start it or whatever growing up and i wasn't the one to like I was one of the co-founders of this company. So like this particular venture, I helped start, but I actually joined Caleb and his existing company before. So mm-hmm. I kind of had to like, that was another area of growth that I was like, I thought that I would be the one to start something, but it's, ter- it's totally okay to join. If you find somebody else, you, you see somebody else's dream that they've already started building, you know, and you find like that this aligns with what you want to do with your life. You know, it's ter- totally okay to help build other people's dreams. Yeah. Um, I just always felt that I was supposed to be there early and kind of be there in the in the clusterfuck stage. Sure. You know, when yeah. it's like amorphous, like an amorphous blob. And sorry, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that on your no, on dude, podcast. You, anything but, goes on our show, dude. You can say whatever you want. But hey, that's yeah. real. That's just that's what it is, though. That is the yeah. stage. Like when it's just this, you're shaping it and. Your company is like a Excel spreadsheet and a pitch deck, right? And um, it's much more than that now. But uh, yeah, I've, I've always felt that I have a lot of dreams and that, you know, there's definitely no shortage of curiosity or dreams. There are things that I would want to yeah. pursue in the world. So yeah, it's kind of like cool. not an option for me. Cool. You've always felt like you should be at the groundbreaking level, um, mm-hmm. but you can co-found in things. And I, I think, you know, I get wrapped up in it too. Like it's okay to be a really good number two, a really good number yeah. three. You know, not everyone is wired to be the starter of everything. You're, some people just aren't wired for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you close yourself off to like not being like, I'm going to be number one, then you could be closing yourself. Like what, what if that like being a really great number four, right? Within an organization was your stepping stone to start, yeah. you know, your number one, like the one venture that where you are the number one. Right. And at, at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. Like, you know, like your hierarchy within your status within a hierarchy or organization, it doesn't matter. It's like, do people love you? Do they like, do they respect you? Do they like spending time with you? You know, like as long as those things and you can pay the bills and live the life that you want, like who cares what, what yeah. position you were within yeah. the organization. Right. But, but yeah. So, so, so you go through the pitch, you were talking about the start of, of print net, you have the pitch and then 
from there, um, you know, after Excel sheets and, and pitch decks, how did it really start to kind of come together where you guys had this idea of, Hey, we can disrupt this industry and niche, uh, take us through that, how it really started to, to form and get some legs. Okay. So whenever I joined Caleb, um, it was just him and one other guy and they were actually working on project, this company, this education technology company. Um, and they were doing like project-based learning tools. So it was kind of like KiwiCo or some of the other project-based Mark Rober has a thing now where you like, you like sign up for a subscription box and he sends you like a, a curated project every month. So it's like a RC car, build your own RC car or like robotic arm that you do something with, or like an Arduino board that you like make light up. Like it's a series of electronic components that you make light up. So we're like, Oh, okay, we're going to do this. And then we're like, Oh, okay. All these products suck. Cause we're going to have to like buy a lot of inventory, you know, way ahead of time and then have all this overhead, try and sell it. 3000 RC car kits. Yeah. Um, so we're like, shoot, we need something that we can kind of like bootstrap off of or like do something like on demand, like manufactured on demand. Um, and the thing we chose here, I'll actually grab it really quick or one of them. The th- uh, thing we chose was actually um, 3d printed model rockets. Oh, that's so this true. is like one of our model rockets that, we designed this flies like 500 feet. Um, oh, that's awesome. It's actually a reusable model rocket. It's like $5 worth of material here. Um, wow. And because of 3D printing, each unit can be completely different and have like, I don't know if you can see, but it says to infinity oh, yeah, and beyond yeah. on awesome. there. But each rocket can have different words on it, different colors. Each mm-hmm. one can be completely different and it doesn't change our production process whatsoever. That's so yeah. each individual order can be different. As long as you have that, you know, online format where people can like customize it easily, each order can be different because we're using 3D printing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started with 3D printed model rockets, um, and we're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do model rockets because it's an iconic learning tool, right? Everybody knows about model rockets. Yeah. Everybody knows model rockets suck. They're literally <laughs> like SS rockets are glorified paper towel holders, and they're not reusable. <laughs> <laughs> and these are like reusable model rockets, right? Like yeah. the SpaceX thing, reusable orbital rocketry. How about reusable model rockets? Um, because, you know, the little fuselage twists out and it was replaceable. Um, so we started with that and then we partnered up with like some aerospace companies to provide the curriculum or help with the curriculum. And in, in pursuit of our model rocket empire, um, we were like, oh my God, it'd be so cool. Like as soon as somebody goes on our website and buys the rocket, they like, like we wanted the Nike ID of model rockets, right? Like you go on and you're like, you see that you pick your style of rocket and you like do all the colors and then you put your like whatever words you want on it or symbols. And then as soon as they click order, what we really wanted to happen, we wanted a software application that would automatically, they would see that and distribute it across our farm, right? Mm. So it would take the order, the three-part order, right? Like the boom, boom, boom. Yep. And print it on three different printers that had those materials that we needed ready to go. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't find that. So we couldn't find a software that, you know, could integrate with our um, our sales channels 
And I mean, that's like lower priority, but like we couldn't find something that could manage our farm, let alone something that did like cool stuff like that, like print as soon as an order is placed. Yeah. So you just wanted um, it to be able to talk to each other. Like once they hit order, the machines start turning it out. Right. So that's one of the things, the main thing that we wanted, I guess the the bigger thing, that's one, one really cool feature that like really excites me is like, damn, as soon as it's ordered, it starts printing. Like, yeah, that user flow is just exciting to me personally, but more generally what we needed was a way to control and manage our farm of 3d printers, which we just didn't okay. have. Okay. Cause right, right then we were like managing an Excel sheet and like we had, um, files on an SD card, right? So all of our 3d models on an SD card. So every time somebody ordered, we'd be like, Oh, order came in, throw that in the Excel sheet. Right. And then mm. take that and you're like, Oh, what do we need to print? We need to print one of these, one of these. Okay. And then we go, we walk the SD card over the printer plug it in, you know, do all the things and yeah. then start to print. Yeah. Too much labor. Um, yeah, exactly. So what we wanted is a production workflow product that would help us, you know, see remotely view and control our printers, but also put them into a dashboard, understand like what our farm is doing, like get some analytics, um, have some predictive maintenance. I would love to automate our supply chain. Like when our software knows that we're about to run out of this material, like I wanted to order it like, or when, you know, Hey, I've been running this machine for 200 hours. And like this part has this particular part has a mean time between failure of 200 hours. Like it's probably time to order that part. Yep. But most people, if you're not tracking it through a software application, then you're just going to wait until your, your machine breaks. <laughs> and then yep. you're like, Oh shit. Oh, that part, because it has, you know, it's been 200 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So we started building that. We started building our own in-house version that, you know, was just very simple, helped with the scheduling bit and the remote view and control. Um, and then since we had already had some investors at that time, they heard about that application that we're building and they said, hey, stop doing this model rocket stuff and just focus on the software. And then that's that's how it started. Okay. So that's so, what PrintNet primarily does is the software, uh, like communicating between the machines and, and managing. Yes. Mm-hmm. exactly so okay yeah exactly right exactly right um what we do is we make them easier 3d printers easier to use and then we, we're really good at connecting them okay. um and, and generally I, I more recently i've been the way i've been describing it is like like big 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 picture zooming all the way out like fundamentally what we're doing the future that excites all of us is the future where we like produce our technology locally or whatever things that we're consuming, we're producing them locally, whether it's food or consumable products or technology. Like the future that really excites me is, you know, like all like, you know, not everything for a phone is going to be made locally, but most of it could be in the future. Whereas like right now it's made by a slave in China, yeah, um, mm-hmm. which is totally not okay yet we all buy it. Right. Um, but the, the future that excites me is when we start manufacturing the things that we consume more locally. Um, and fundamentally what we're doing is building tools um, for distributed manufacturing mm-hmm. and kind of narrowing in what our software does is we want to control computer. Con- we want to be the production workflow prop, uh, platform for computer controlled um, fabrication. So it's actually more than just 3d printers. 
Um, it's laser machines, CNC machines, things like that. Um, they all use the same Marlin G code for machine instructions. So um, we're really just a production workflow product for computer controlled manufacturing. Um, but we're starting with 3D printing because it's the most accessible and diverse. So like Amazon, they're like, oh my gosh, selling stuff online is gonna be really big. What's the first product I start with? And you're like, oh my God, you should start with teddy bears. There's a lot of teddy bears in the world. But like the best product to start with is actually books. That's why, because it's the most differentiated. So it's the most accessible. Books are really cheap. And there's a lot more books than there is music. There's a lot more music than there are teddy bears, like things like that. So the reason they start with books is because it's the most diverse and there's the most consumers out there for that type of product. And the reason we're starting with 3D printing is because we feel that it's, you know, compared to a laser machine, it's more of a platform technology than a laser. So you can't, what's cool about a 3D printer is that you could actually 3D print most of the components for another 3D printer on a 3D printer. <laughs> Whereas on a, on a laser, you can't laser the components for another laser. I mean, sure, yeah. some of the components, but not most like a 3D printer. Yeah. yeah. And laser, a, a $300 laser is a piece of shit right now. Like a $300 laser is trash, but a $300 3D printer, now you can, you can do stuff with that. Like there's okay. a lot of things that you can do. And with the design freedom with 3D printing, um, you know, the, possibilities are endless so yeah that's so awesome um, it is super yes. fascinating like how you can print something 3d and then it's a usable product right you can create, it's done create the things for another printer and it can print more stuff and yep and i'm sure there's some people listening to maybe uh bridge that gap for me of how can you just print something and you can use it inside something tech you can i don't know if you can create food yet with like edible food with 3d printing yet but how does it work where you can create such goods that you can produce other things and, and you can actually use them without all the intricate back end of someone wiring things putting things together you know bridge that gap for me so i think most uh, the, right now so the, the key areas for innovation in 3d printing um, there's like four key areas. There's the material science, right? So like the material selection admittedly is kind of limited compared to traditional manufacturing. Mm. There's the hardware. So like the actual, you know, like machine itself. Um, there's how easy they are to use. And then the connectivity, um, we're not focused on the materials or the hardware. We're focused on making them much easier to use in the connectivity. Um, so that's kind of what we're focused on but i guess in terms of like creating these these products um like end use products yeah well can you actually can you reiterate your question one more time like what yeah, was the... so, so like you were saying you can you can print at a certain point you want to be able to print local goods like so build a smartphone with goods used primarily from a, a us 3d printer mm -hmm. how does how does that work where you can print something like that and it can be used in a technological uh, setting or you can print things to be used in another 3d printer? So or how just, does that work? Or just can you, for someone who's never heard of 3d printing before, like who's like, Hey, how do you create something from a 3d printer? Do you just, can you just explain the overall process of how way. you take it from 
beginning to a product just for someone who's never yeah. heard of it like it's better, how does this better way to ask it yeah. yeah got it got it okay um sorry for my but that, that makes that makes sense what that makes sense what you're saying about your your business focusing on the connect the connectivity and like the e- the ease of use part yeah but, but you okay. said there's like a materials component too uh yeah, yeah. kind of explaining like how all four are interconnected for someone who's never heard of 3d printing okay sweet yeah so okay so say you have so there's a variety of ways that you can do it but the way that it the thing that you need to create is you need to create a a 3d model right so a 3d model not just like a visual asset that you see in movies but like something that's 3d printable so it has to be a certain type of file type um so mm-hmm. pretty much like the machine has to know if you sit if you submit like a a graphic the machine isn't going to know like the exact xyz coordinates to follow to manifest that object so need the right 3d model type um you can and you can either create that like by just assembling a bunch of shapes in a platform like blender or you could um take a 3d scanner and scan an existing object and then clean up the you know the the object and then you know put it into your printer but pretty much you, you start with a 3d model you go to this thing called a, a slicer which is that that's how you generate the machine instructions it generates something called g-code mm-hmm. um, marlin g-code that's what all these different types of computer controlled manufacturing runs on um, so then you generate the g-code and then what you do is typically you take that g-code file you put it on to a sim card you put it into your your 3d printer you select from the 3d printer menu like oh i want this file and you hit print mm-hmm. um so what's something that's interesting about the 3d printing process is like the actual fabrication is the smallest part so well it's one of the smaller parts but the design and the planning and doing all the little oh i gotta slice it i gotta take it over here i gotta do all this stuff a lot of that stuff is the, and especially the modeling is really what takes the longest part. But typically it starts with a model that you either created, um, purchased or scanned. Um, and then you, you slice it um, to generate the machine instructions. And then you give the machine instructions to the printer, either mm-hmm. physically or through our application, which allows you to do it digitally. Yeah. Perfect. So, okay. Yeah. Um, that makes so, sense. Okay. But yeah, that's the that's the typical workflow, and then, um, yeah, there's all sorts of really cool opportunities. I feel within three D printing. So yeah, um, for sure. There's a few industries that maybe we could talk about. That yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll go where you go. I think it's you know someone could start a huge ecom business and just three D print everything, and they just make materials on demand. That's one <laughs> right. thing I, I was thinking of. If if someone has a three D printer, you can just model something that's a hot ticket item and just recreate it and you don't have to worry about tons of inventory you'll have materials but you're going to print stuff anyway mm-hmm. right but, but those materials are diverse they could be used for other things right so it's sure. like they're not stamped out it's so it's it, like stamped out into the shape of an egg like plastic in the shape of an egg is useless but plastic in a spool that can be printed for any shape is yeah. much more useful than something that's already been stamped out and that's the whole thing is like you think drop shipping right now is badass imagine drop shipping without inventory like right that's yeah. you know that's the the future that we're trying to build towards so mm-hmm. well or that's one of the interesting 
things that we're, you know, we could help enable, right? So like kind of going back to like what our company is, what we do is we make software tools that help you automate manufacturing. Um, but the other side of our business is we're going to save these manufacturers using 3D printing and computer controlled machines, time and money. And then with that saved time, we're creating a distributed manufacturing network. So once we save you time in your production, you're going to have all this excess, you know, production liquidity. You'll be able to dedicate that to our distributed network of manufacturers. So that's kind of like the big, big picture of what we're building is we want to build a, a distributed manufacturing network um, utilizing unused machine time. So yeah. very similar to how cloud computing came about, right? Like servers, like one, you used to have to like, if you wanted to buy some software application, you had to go buy a bunch of computers and host them locally. Mm -hmm. And you had like your own, like a server room, um, like, you know, fill up an entire piece of real estate with a, a computer. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would sit dormant at night. So they'd literally power them off and they'd be, they'd be sitting there unutilized during the evening. Mm -hmm. um, and then people are like, what? You know, people could be using these at night. Like, what? Why, why are we not time slicing server space? Um, so we're, we're time slicing machine space. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yeah. yeah, so the big, big, big thing that we're building is a distributed manufacturing network. And one of the things that you could do with that is you could have um, like a commercial file library, right? So you could have like all these designs that, you know, like all these different like commercial licensed designs and then these e-commerce sellers that are really great at building brands and setting up all those processes, they can start creating brands around these individual uh, products, like these white labelable mm -hmm. products and start creating unique brands around these cool products. And then again, using, they don't even, with our platform, they wouldn't even have to own the 3D printers. So mm. wow. it's even a step removed, they could actually, you know, license the commercial file, like license, get the commercial license, start selling them on their own channels, and then not even have to worry about manufacturing or producing them. Wow. Um, so it, that's crazy. So what we're focused on building is the thing that enables that is the network of manufacturers. And then mm -hmm. one of the core assumptions that we have um, with our business is we feel that we, you have to build that network of manufacturers. You have to be tied in to their scheduling and the coordination, right? Mm -hmm. So since we're actually controlling these manufacturers' schedules for 3D printers and computer-controlled manufacturing, we uh, we feel that we're the, the best suited to solve that coordination problem and actually be yeah. able to do that real-time, so... Yeah, that's awesome. That's fascinating. For your so your software, in addition to the manufacturing part of it, can you tell me more about how it helps businesses with like the sales and the finance and like the back end, like seeing just kind of the financial aspect of it too, in addition to manufacturing, just like organizing your orders, your sales, and does it integrate with like different different websites or or, or selling or e-commerce sites or how does that part of it work apart from the manufacturing? We definitely want to um, to integrate with different uh, as many sales channels as possible. So mm -hmm. um, Shopify, we want as soon as somebody orders on Shopify, we want it to print. As soon as somebody orders on Etsy, print uh, Wix, whatever. 
um, Amazon. Um, you can do Amazon as well. Um, we want to definitely integrate with all these different sales channels. Um, and business insights are, we, you know, with our platform, we definitely want to give you business insights, but um, it's not our core focus. More, more, mostly we want, to, we want to focus on production mm-hmm. insights. Perfect. But there is definitely, you know, with production insights, you, you end up, that, that is a business insight, right? So yeah, it's cost. And yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you get and with 3d printing businesses, whether it's quoting or keeping track of all your expenses, like real time, or like all the time, there's a lot of variables, right? Maybe, you know, like, you know, kilowatt per hour rates for like electricity. Um, like, you know, you've replaced a certain part all the time, all these things. So mm-hmm. we, we just want to give people really granular insights into their production. Um, yeah. And then some kind of the, you know, marketing insights, for example, you know, we, you wouldn't find those on our, okay. on, our, gotcha. on our platform, but you would see, oh, hey, like you've been using a lot of this color, this type of material in red, mm-hmm. you know, based on other manufacturers, this would probably be a better utilization or you've been buying this in a small quantity, you should probably buy this in bulk. Like Mm -hmm. what I envision our software turning into is like your production manager or assistant. And it's just constantly prompting you. It's like, Oh, Hey, you've gotten a lot of this type of job and you've been doing it on this type of machinery. Um, This type of machine would save you 12% more time every month, you know? So like some kind of like, AI production assistant, right? That's kind of uh-huh. like if you had to personify our software, that's, that's yeah. what I would say it that's is. That's fantastic. So. And when you can quantify like that too, it makes buying decisions so much easier. Right, like exactly. What, what manufacturer doesn't want 12% increase in efficiency? Exactly. Just Kaizen all day, like mm-hmm. bust, bust their brains with Kaizen. <laughs> and, and what's crazy about manufacturing in America is it's actually pretty distributed like it's not nearly as centralized as you think it is like uh there's almost as many manufacturing businesses in america as there are restaurants in america ah, okay so there's six hundred and forty thousand. you can look this up but it's like six hundred and forty thousand restaurants and like six hundred thousand manufacturing Jeez. businesses mm. so i found that to be really really crazy and it did not seem right at all but it's totally true. There's almost 600,000 manufacturing businesses in America. And I thought that was pretty insane. And like 3D printing, you know, it's only a $20 billion industry right now. It's going to grow dramatically over the next few decades. But it won't be all of manufacturing, obviously, but it'll be, you know, at least the very prototyping part, the first, like, whether you're doing the first test print for this part that you're about to machine out of metal, like 3d printing will touch some part of every product's journey. Um, Just in some products, it won't be it. In some products, it'll be like the end end use part because literally that product wasn't even possible to create before 3d printing. Mm. But for some parts like machined little jigs or whatever, like, like machine parts, you know, traditional manufacturing might be better, but one of the interesting examples of like 
3D printing as a platform technology where it's enabling this whole new startup is, I can't remember the name of startup, but they do like 3D printed knee replacements. Oh, wow. Um, and I've also seen like, um, so like there's like this one, I think they do like brain plates or like tight. So I think they used to do like titanium skull implants. And it was just like a little sheet that they kind of like roughly mold around your head. Yeah. And now what they can do is like scan your head and then uh, print this like gyroid, this gyroid infill structure that is like, it's kind of like this, except it's like all looped. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's like all looped together, like this really complex geometry. And then that, that they can put that on your head. And not only is it much better fit, like it's actually form fit to your head, but it allows the bone to grow up through the plate and it oh. becomes a part of the, the thing. And now it's like, wow, now it's a, and that it doesn't result. It's a much better product. It's actually cheaper. And it's like, it's a part of your body now. Yeah. So it's, More it's accepted. Wow. So medical is really interesting, whether it's prosthetic limbs um, and making those accessible. I think like a, the average prosthetic arm is like $50,000, 40, 30 to $50,000. Um, and you could 3D print a prosthetic limb. Like that's the type of shit that like we're going to produce locally. That really excites me. Like the kid in Africa that doesn't have access to like, you know, he doesn't have a hand but he could 3d yeah. print something that like works better than having no hand. Like, right. What if that kid was really, really productive, like saving him 13% of his time is really valuable. Um, yeah. and, or like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, what is it? What is the movie? It's about Malawi, Africa, the, the boy who harnessed the wind. Not that's a really, that's such an inspiring movie to me, but kind of going to spoil it. It doesn't spoil it at all, but, it it's a great movie spoil away but this this uh this kid pretty much his his malawi africa beautiful spot you guys should look it up because beautiful spot in the world he his country was going through a drought and his little his local village um they ran out of water to water their crops and this kid this is based on a true story actually foraged for trash in the local dumpster or dump area and it ended up recreating creating a windmill and finding a broken water pump and pumping water out of the, the dried up well um, and watering the plants and saving his family's crop by building a windmill out of trash that pumped water Jeez. or a, a water pump that was yeah. powered by windmill out of trash yeah um, awesome. and so in the future like you know as long as they had the basic motor like like electronic components like a motor and whatever um you could print the little like the 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 flywheel or whatever the flywheel mm. or like the water pump housing um like all the different little components you could probably print them on a $300 machine and you could print a 100 of them so then every family could have one right yeah. um so that's what that type of stuff excites me. We don't know what people are going to create. Um, and I think there's a lot of products that have never been created before that 3D printing will enable, like like the um, you know titanium plate. or Yeah, that's crazy you know, to me. Like before that. we started, Tim and I were like, oh, imagine when medical devices are being 3D printed. 
Oh yeah. That, but I mean, they're already doing massive. it. Already, yeah. yeah. That's wild. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest categories that I think in the short term, that's going to have probably the most enterprise value mm. um, that I think promotional products category, like you go to a convention, every product that you see laying on the table is just so boring and dead. <laughs> like I think right now you have the ability to print whatever object you want. Like for example, like this is one of our, our venture funds that accepted us or oh, wow. that we're a part of. Yeah. And this is like a little robot that they give you. Um, and like, this is so much more memorable. Like you could embed this with electronics, like a little NFC chip or something and tap it and it pulls up a digital link. Like this is a much more compelling promotional product than anything. And I, I know that's like on the low, the lower end of the economic value that's going to be created with 3d printing. But I think it's like for the hobbyist and everyday person, like this is a great place to start. And then you can start starting to understand like, Oh wait, you can do medical devices. You can do like these, create these things that we've never been able to create before. Or like, for example, like with relativity space, you can 3D print an orbital rocket or 85% 3D print an orbital rocket with a hundred times fewer parts. Wow. So like relativity space, they wow. actually just made it to orbit. The first 3D printed rocket, um, Terran 1, they, uh, they 3D print the entire, pretty much this whole part Mm -hmm. the 3d print and what's crazy is it's like 60 feet tall and during the 3d printing process it kind of sometimes warps a little bit so they've actually built a software like that predicts how much it's going to warp and it flattens it out and it's so accurate literally it's it's the world's largest 3d printer that prints this thing it's like 20 feet in diameter it's massive Mm. massive rocket and might be even more than 20 feet actually but it's literally the the amount of variation along the whole rocket is less than a human hair so that's how straight it is and it's only five percent heavier than a traditional manufactured rocket and it takes two months to print instead of years to manufacture so insane. <laughs> oh my gosh that's it's, such a cool um, example that's insane yeah and like 3D printed, like I, I was hanging out with some kid the other day and he was wearing Adidas's 4D shoes mm-hmm. and the midsole on them is 3D printed because <laughs> it's like the, so it's crazy. So like cool. it's starting to pop yeah. up more. Yeah. Dude, that's fantastic. But, is there a certain, like in your experience with your business so far, is there, I know you've probably learned a lot of different use cases. Do you see like a common ideal type of customer that, your software has resonated with the most or one that's been more successful for you or any like target niches within like your customer base that you're trying to help? I think the, the person that needs our software the most are the, the people that have a 3d print farm. So yeah, what a 3d print farm is, it's like what we have, right? So we have 10, 12, 3d printers just sitting here, right? Well, right now they're working, but um, (laughs) they're (laughs) sitting here, but people like, if you had to get as narrow as possible, that's like, that's the narrowest description of like the people that need our, our software. Um, Generally, um, you know, are getting a little more broad, like manufacturers, right? So more and more manufacturers will need our product. So if you're doing like a lot of custom fabrication work or like you do a lot of CNC stuff, um, you would probably want to use our product. Like like you would probably want to use 3d printing to, 
create like a little test fit before you start doing like the machining on expensive metals. Mm-hmm. So I'd say manufacturers, but also, you know, I'm really interested in people creating businesses. Like people now can create products that were never able to before, like actual physical products without minimum order quantities. So mm-hmm. like, that's really exciting to me. Like, and God knows how many businesses are out there. And like, I remember I saw like, so the e-commerce bit is really exciting. Cause that that's like real people. Like they can, yeah. some random girl that watches a lot of anime can be like, Oh my God, if I made a desk organizer in the shape of a panda, like this could do numbers <laughs> online. And yeah. that's a real example. Like there's girls, there's one girl that started a hundred printer farm. She has a hundred three printers. Now she started with two and she just recognizes opportunity and started selling shit on Etsy. And now she's doing seven figures a year selling desk organizers on Etsy. <laughs> um, and like, imagine the, the model rockets example, like this could do millions online every year. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I saw some e-commerce store that's literally just mini katanas. All they sell is mini katanas. That's it. <laughs> and they do a hundred million a year. Oh my sales. God, dude. People are so, violent. I know. So, <laughs> If you, the potential is, is pretty, pretty incredible. Um, But I guess getting back to your question, the people that really need our software, the 3D print farm owners and, um, and more and more, um, you know, down the road, uh, we'll solve, you know, we'll make things easier to use um, in more than just like a, you know, control and manage type of way. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to get more into like, something that really interests me is like generative design. You know, we're not close to that yet. Um, or we're at, we're pretty close, but we're not at the point where it's like deployable and commercially viable yet. But that's something that really interests me. That like when you can like say, Hey, I want a tiger with holding a banana and it generates a three printable model, right? Like, so the model has to be, not only is it a three visual model, but like it has to be printable. Mm-hmm. Um, once it can do that, like, oh my God, there's going to be, yeah, because that's the biggest time suck for people and the biggest barrier to entry right now to actually manifesting these physical objects. So bridging that gap is going to be truly, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a Cambrian explosion of like products. And now yeah. every single micro community can launch products that, you know, vibe with their community and mm-hmm. that's, yeah. and it can all be manufactured on demand. So, what? Um, yeah, and, um, and, sorry, and, and to kind of finish up, so, like, you could, just, like, another thing, so, like, 3D printing may not be the best thing for mass production for some products, but you could start, like, the first 10,000 units, you could validate the product with 3D printing mm-hmm. and then move on. So, it's, there's going to be a lot, a lot of new products created and yeah. validated, and then they move on to traditional manufacturing because they've, they've found a market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a good point. Didn't think about that. So, so many applications, dude. That's just, it's, I didn't know. This is why this is so awesome. Like, why this podcast is cool because I sure didn't know this much about 3D printing. I knew it was out there, but mm-hmm. now I, I'm going to give it so much more time and focus because of our conversation. Like, mm-hmm. damn. Well, one um, of the things that, um, like, an opportunity that I see for like business people, like, people out there creating like if you want to start like a a service-based business so like printing as a service is one thing so 
you know, buy some printers, make some flyers and start saying, Hey, we'll print as a service. Like you have a file, yeah. we'll print it for you. So like printing as a service, but one thing that I think is really going to be big over the next few years is scanning. So 3d scanning parts and then printing them. If you can get that process down, like where you can take like, for example, like somebody just brought in a, uh, a land cruiser hubcap. So the hubcap is like 80 bucks and it's just like a piece of plastic and I can print a carbon fiber. I can take a scan of it and print a carbon fiber nylon one for seven bucks and do whatever the hell. Yeah. Better quality. Maybe looks cooler. It's not like, you know, the right from the OEM, but it's, you could do whatever material, whatever, you know, like logo you want on there and it costs seven bucks. Yeah, just for the material costs and like uh, machine costs. So I think 3D scanning is going to be huge because like, again, like the Toyota hubcap, that's a really, that could be a five figure a year product on an e-commerce store. Mm -hmm. Um, So the whole right to repair movement, like vintage cars, like parts that aren't, you can't order anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, the hatch lid to your jet ski, you know, like that was another example. Like my friend, I lost the the dry hatch lid on his jet ski and it took a year to get the new one in. Mm, but wow. I could have like looked up the specs for it online and just like modeled it up and printed a new one. Wow. So like those little there's, and then I saw some kid the other day that he had a cat litter box and like one of those automatic, automatic cat litter boxes and like one of the grates on it like broke off and it's like apparently a really common defect and he ended up making like 12,000 in the first year just selling this one replacement part for one automated cat litter box, one yeah. type of automated cat litter box. And you're like, there's no money there, but there's more than 10,000. So there's a lot of yeah. businesses to be created. I think the thing that creates the most value is the 3D scanning and then printing, because if you're just the printing as a service, you know, people will probably just come to you with one-off stuff. But if you like scan things and you're creating models that didn't exist, now that's something that could be printed a lot of times. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, like somebody wanted that, to, they went through that barrier to entry to like scan it, clean up the model, do all that shit mm-hmm. to get it to where it's actually, um, you know, printable. So mm-hmm. things 3D scanning and printing could be a really yeah. fascinating yeah. thing. The more skills um, you learn, the more valuable you are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so buy scanners and buy buy a 3D printer. Buy a 3D scanner and 3D printer. And Tend just start tinkering schedule. with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And devote a shitload of time to learning how they work. But Yeah. yeah. Um, Carter, what are some of the fears with 3D printing? Like we've heard Elon Musk talk about the fears of, of AI. You know, mm-hmm. we can go full on iRobot, Will Smith style one day. But... Are, are there similar fears within 3D printing? Um, so, I mean, like the obvious one to me, and this is something that we don't do at all, although we've gotten a lot of requests, is 3D printing guns. So 3D printing, <laughs> I said that to him before. You we did. Said, I yeah. like that. Man, he could save my cost on my, so my gun. So 3D habit. printing guns <laughs> is definitely one of the biggest attack vectors. Like, yeah. you know, like producing technology locally that's the other side of the producing what we consume locally is you know like oh you can you can print guns yeah (laughs) um 
And I, you know, right now you could buy a, a, a CNC mill and, you know, mill out all the parts for a gun too. And it's going to be a hell of a lot better gun than mm. a 3d printed one. Yeah. Um, but you know, actually I don't want to get too much into the performance of 3d printed guns, but it is sure. kind of startling how, how effective they are. Um, yeah. okay. you can, you can do hundreds of rounds through some 3d printed guns, um, with the full thing being 3d printed. Um, so I guess that, that could be huge. Like you could print guns on demand anywhere with mm-hmm. a power source and an SD card. So that's kind of a, as long as you have bullets, it doesn't yeah. matter if you don't have a gun. Like, but yeah. again, I think with the guns though, you could like, I've seen some of those like videos online of like, you know, on the ground footage in Syria and people make guns and makeshift shotguns out of like pipes and stuff. Like yeah. you put a nail in a pipe and then you like, you know, so I think that I'm not, I don't think we're going to see a crazy uptick in like crime rates, but you know, those, those types of things could be the attack vector. Sure. Um, what about all the katanas that person made? Like, are those like razor sharp still or more like plastic edge to like, you know, how, how those shape so, out? So now, now that, that wasn't <laughs> a 3d printed product, Okay. okay. that, that would be, you could do the handles. You could 3d print the Got handles it. or like the little crest part, mm. the, the little plastic, the thing that yeah. stops your hand from going up. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you could do that, but that was, that I was, was curious. Those were taking my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you perk up. A <laughs> that was a demonstration of, oh my God, you can sell anything online and make and do crazy numbers if you have yeah. the right marketing yeah. tactics. So for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I would say that probably like, and you know, if you wanted to get more corollary, right, like you'd 3d print rockets, you could 3d print drones, um, and then put stuff on the drones and then have them fly into things. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want to be like seeding a bunch of ideas. No, for... no, you're good. Yeah. you're <laughs> but, good. But, but, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's kind of interesting to think through these things. So, yeah. And, and you um, have to with, with a, a brand new industry like that, that has that much power and force behind it. Like you can do a lot of things with, with 3d printing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, as so. you know, and I'm learning, but uh yeah was but, curious. yeah i'm very much learning too very yeah. very much still learning so um carter i know we're kind of coming up on our time and and we know you're a pretty busy guy anything uh we always ask a final question uh at the end with all our guests but anything we haven't touched on that you would like to uh kind of share with listeners anything at all mm, let me think for a sec yeah yeah um part of your journey influential person any it could be anything at all i would say i mean the big thing is is i think i mean i mean just a few of the things that i'm really big up on like people just pursuing uh, like whatever they're really interested in or passionate about um, like something that I think a lot of times, like this has been really, I've been saying this a lot, like recently, and I think it's, it's had a pretty good effect with people, but like 80%, like, okay, well, first, would you guys agree that 
America is doing pretty well. Like people that live in America compared to the rest of the world, like we're doing pretty well, right? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. Probably one of the, the the best places to live, like the most wealthy in the country. Okay. Yeah. So eighty percent of Americans die with less than two hundred thousand in assets. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the at the median home price last year, the most common home price, it was four hundred and fifty thousand last year. So eighty percent of Americans die with less than half a house is the the statistic. So it's like, what are we playing for? You know? Yeah. Like, are you really gonna trade forty years of your life for a house? Like I like if you were to flip it on the other hand, like, okay, so eighty percent of people that traded more than half their life have less than 200k that's sad right right. but do the like the opposite like frame it the opposite way like would you trade 40 years of your life for 200k i wouldn't even trade it for 10 million so like that's how much that that time is worth and like that's how much time like you can't even assign a worth to like how much your time on this earth is is worth so it's like i don't know i think like the world is much more malleable than you think it is. You know, I'm just a dumb kid that loves Minecraft and uh, like likes business stuff. And I'm fascinated by markets and like, you know, I'm trying to do amazing things in the world. And it seems like these crazy opportunities have been presented to me by the universe, God, love, whatever you say, but like, it's all because you're open and I've, I've taken the risk, right? Like I bet on myself and yeah. I think more people just should consider that. Like, cause what are you even playing for anyway? It's like, mm-hmm. what even like there's li- if 80% of Americans die with less than 200,000 in assets, like what, what is the, the whole point of trading your entire life for a career or money? Um, mm-hmm. So it's get away from this um, focus on money. And just start thinking about, um, you know, like what the world needs, what you're passionate about, what you're good at. And like, very lastly, you know, what you can get paid for. And I feel like that might be the best path to making a lot of money, actually, which is kind of crazy. It's like, you start with what you're interested in and you'll probably, that'll be the best path to making a lot of cash. 100%. Man, such a good insight, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Such good insight. I mean, preaching to the choir, obviously you guys probably all know that and i'm just some young hurts kid to hear it man no that's yeah. a, that's it's a great reminder Good for our listeners too 100 yeah yeah and yeah i mean yeah. and we're we're not who says we're even guaranteed that the full life of an average human being it's not always about how much time you have but like what you do with the time that you do have and i appreciate yeah. you echoing that throughout this conversation and uh, yeah, it's, this has been good conversation. Yeah, I can tell you've got a really good head on your shoulders, and you approach things the right way. And yeah, we, we wish uh, all the, all the all the best to you for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks um, for having me on. Um, you guys should definitely have Caleb on too. So yeah, dude. Yeah, we would love to. Uh, Tim, any other questions for Carter? No, I'm, I'm good on my end. It's been good. Okay, uh, Carter. So we always yeah. like to know uh, how you want to be remembered. So when it's all okay. said and done, how would you like people to remember you? Man, it's like the most important question. Um, <laughs> let's see. How do I want to be remembered? I think what I want to be remembered for. So I, I kind of like the way. So I've got like a hierarchy. It's like faith, family, 
or faith. It goes like faith, relationship, family, friends, career. Mm-hmm. That's like what I care about in order in life, right? Like, mm-hmm. how could you care about your relationship if you don't have faith? How could you care about your relationship if you don't care? Like, or how could you care about your family if you don't care, care about your relationship? All these things. Um, so in the context of my faith, I want to be known as a man of faith, right? Um, I want to be a good uh, spouse. I, I think I'm, I want to be a good spouse. Like, I want to be, uh, like, I want my family to think that, like, I was around and, like, helpful. Um, like, I, I want to be an inspiration for my little nephews and maybe kids one day. Um, I want to, to, to my friends, I want, uh, I want them to, like, count on me and, like, be the person that they call in their time of need or, like, when they're trying to figure shit out. Um, in the context of my career, I want to be known as somebody that helped, you know, maybe not even build or create the brown groundbreaking innovation, but I think that I could uh, be helpful in like distributing the information to the world and like communicating it. So I think in the context of my career, I want to be like, there's like hardcore, like code engineer guy in the corner. And I like, work with him to help bring it out to the world and like communicate and distribute it. So in the context mm-hmm. of my career, I think that's what I meant to do is communicate and help distribute these new technologies and innovations. Yeah. So I guess I that's that. the, that's the way I was able yeah. to frame it. So down from faith, I want to be known as a man of faith. I want to be there for my, my, my family and friends. And then in the context of a career, I just, I want to best utilize my personal attributes to, get more uh, um yeah. innovation out into the world so love it man. i love that love yeah. it um, cheers thanks yeah, for asking man. that was Thank a good you. exercise yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh if there's ever anything we can help you guys with um uh, you know the day you start your podcast if you need help doing anything with that let us know or or otherwise you know i'm sure yeah. you and i are, we're all going to keep touch uh still we'll have caleb on definitely so we'll get in touch with him um, but yeah. yeah, man, we just appreciate you and your time, like dropped Sweet. a lot of good insights here and uh, taught us a lot, taught our listeners a lot. So going to be a good one. Sweet, man. Thank you. And we should, uh, we should print uh, something for off the dome. Like that way you guys. Oh, oh yeah, dude. I didn't even think about we that. That's that. a great awesome. idea. Yeah. We could do the logo. Let's do that. Let's oh, do that. That'd be yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like That'd that. be really awesome. Maybe like a uh, thing of like a microphone with the logo on it or something. Oh, like Dude. Snoop Dogg. He's got something on his, on the mic that he holds. It's like yeah. nucks on his mic. <laughs> yes. The op- the, yes. Yeah. Possibilities are endless. Yeah. Anything. So <laughs> get, get my number and text me because he's yeah. like, you guys are cool. And like, let's, let's figure out something. Like, let's. Yeah. Yeah. You guys We're are definitely. Sure. Definitely stay connected, but all right, man. We know you got a Sweet, uh, busy day ahead of you. Thank you again, man. Really appreciate you it. You guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Later. Yeah, we'll talk soon, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers. You too. Right. Bye.